Welcome to the R2P Podcast. I'm Running to Places founder and artistic director, Joey Steenhagen. Take a moment to locate your nearest emergency exit, and please remember no flash photography during the podcast. And now, without any further ado, on with the show. First order of business is to introduce my lovely and talented co-host, dear friends. It's the one and only Tucker Davis. Hello, everybody, and Joey. Hello, Tucker. Uh... Are we going to small talk this time? Yeah, let's do it. What's yeah. happening? What's going on? Oh, I don't know. Are, wait, is this small talk or is this news and updates? Both. Oh. Very small, like little, like little tiny updates, like little, like tiny talk updates. Little baby updates. Yeah. Well, updates Junior. Updates Junior. It's my favorite musical. First up, as always, is news and updates Junior. All the latest and great. I'm not doing that. You can't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to sustain it. went on way too long. Yeah, I did. Uh, up first, as always, is news and updates, all the latest and greatest and what's going on in the world of R2P. What is going on in the world of R2P? Well, let's talk a little bit about what has been going on, to use the past participle subjunctive. Uh, we just finished a couple of exciting things. We've been doing, uh, we had it. What subjective? I'm sorry, hold on. What was that? A subdipitable? Past participle subjective. Someone... Please write and tell him he's wrong. Well, I don't even know if those are words. Podcast at runningtoplaces.org to tell me and correct my grammar. Someone help me. <laughs> Someone help Tucker. Uh, but yeah, so we just finished a round of virtual auditions. We got a whole bunch of submissions by video for R2P to go. R2P to go. R2P to go. Which is our traveling musical theater review that we're going to take around to senior centers and community events, things like that. And if you missed it, uh, just get in touch with us. If you email info at runningtoplaces.org, we can figure out how we can get you connected, whether for this round or for the next one. But we we can't wait to work with you. And right now, this is the performance outlet that we've got available to us. Yeah, and to explain it probably just a little bit further, um, it's easier for us to do because we are able to rehearse remotely and then bring it together. Um, so we're not able to rehearse large group things indoors right now, as we all know. But what you do is you bring a song that you've worked on on your own and we find a way to highlight you and bring joy to those that enjoy musical theater. Which is MR everyone. Duh. Duh. Next up, it's R2P Unplugged. Uh, R2P Unplugged is our virtual series where we get together with our R2P company members to do a read-through, listen-through, sing-along, deep-dive discussion into a show that R2P, for one reason or another, probably isn't doing anytime soon, but is still worth talking about. Yep, and our next one is TBD, as far as what show we're doing, but we're going to be meeting uh, starting uh, February 28th, and then we will continue up on March 2nd. Someone write podcast at runningtoplaces.org and tell me a more succinct way to describe when these happen. It's Monday and Wednesday, starting the last Monday of the month, which means it sometimes has a Wednesday in the following month. See, it's not, it's clunky. I don't you know. You just got to say last Monday of the month. It just starts the last Monday of the month, and then. Yeah, it's two days. And then there's another one. So that's what it is. So stay tuned to find out what show we're doing and to join in, uh, you know, because there's so many shows that 
we would love to do but can't because maybe they're too complicated and expensive or maybe they have casting requirements that aren't something that we'd be able to accommodate you know for one reason or another or there's too much magic too much magic magic uh but then there are other shows that frankly we're never going to do because we don't want to do them and and we may have enjoyed a heyday at one time or another but Boy, their time has come and gone. So I think we've done a lot of shows. So far we've done, you know, uh, when we did this series uh, the first time around, we did Hamilton, we did Dear Ever Hansen, we did... Wicked. Wicked, and those happen to be shows that a lot of people like. We may go into some topics and some shows that a lot of people don't like so that we have conversations around that as well. Yeah, people being uncomfortable watching something in a theater is sometimes the point of theater, not always, but occasionally... It, when you're uncomfortable, it's because you have a reason to think about something. And a lot of um, moving forward is looking behind us and figuring out what we could do better. I want a T-shirt of that. So <laughs> like on the front, it would say moving forward is. And on the back, looking behind us. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so deep. I, don't, I can't really even parse it. But then if you turn around to look behind you, then the person coming up front says, sees, look at, oh, wow, I can't. What this if you is, put your shirt on backwards or inside out? Well, then that would itch, like the tag, and it would choke you. I'm always amazed when people make it. Like some students have actually fully made it onto stage with like costumes on backwards. And I'm so amazed by that because I'm just so sensitive. Like anything that's like, it's fascinating. Kids do the darndest things. <laughs> That's the real name of the podcast. It's the name of the company. Are we allowed? Maybe are we allowed to tell stories about kids doing the darndest things? Like if they're like far enough in adult age where they're no longer a kid. What's an example? I don't know yet. I if have to get the go ahead. You know, but there's a chance that you never heard this. I, 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 there are some, there are some, but I, I need the go ahead first. Go ahead. I can't. This isn't live. <laughs> you know they call. I think they. No, I can't say that story. Okay, so what's what other news do we have? Well, we were talking about shows that we wouldn't do, and I'm curious, Tucker, are there shows that you no longer would do? Shows that 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 you think are done, being done? Producers. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, that, oh sure. I mean, you because think about it for half a second. Half a second, and it lived for so long on Broadway. It was an enormous hit. Yep. Um, and Nathan Lang does that to musicals. He keeps them on. I mean, look at Adam's Family. What a dumpster fire! But it got <laughs> to stay on Broadway for like year. Oh, you know, a year and a half because of stars. Um, but it's it, it, any time. You're celebrating Hitler in a song. I think it pretty much <laughs> excludes you. Even if it's in satire. Even in satire. I agree. I think and, we've moved past that. And I think also, specifically talking about shows that we, as Running to Places, a youth community theater nonprofit, wouldn't do. There are some shows, there are some times where satire uh, is exactly right. And there are some times where satire, I just don't think works in the context of youth theater i'm thinking about for example how to succeed in business without really trying which tough show i it's a show i did in high school sure didn't talk about it i i don't know if it was that we didn't talk about anything ever but there is so much to talk about the 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 level of misogyny that is built into every fiber of every moment in that show is 
irredeemable. And I've, I've and the show doesn't talk about it either. No, no, it celebrates it unironically, which is like sort of like right when you say that, I immediately go to Dolly Parton's nine to five, where it's like similar work environment. You know, it's a little bit later, written later, so it's wrapped around a different topic. But they talk about it, and the whole right. point of that show is empowerment. Exactly. Just like, you know, Romeo and Juliet being a show that has... Here we go, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. It's a pretty good show. People like it. Okay, great. But the fact is that, you know, we don't ordinarily think about a show that talks about, uh, you know, teen sex and sexuality and uh, drug use and violence among teenagers as being the kind of thing that would be... Uh, fair for a youth company except that it's entirely about the consequences of all of those things right and those are things that we deal with as teenagers indeed so yeah but uh how to succeed i've i remember hearing when when that got revived on broadway i honestly think that show never would have been brought back to broadway if mad men wasn't popular on tv and then people were nostalgic for skinny ties and ironic smoking and right and harry potter on stage exactly yes if daniel radcliffe wasn't in it i think Bringing back your point about Nathan Lane, yeah, yeah, people want to go see a celebrity. You know what though? I don't. I think this is correct, but in my memory, when he when they did that, I had a few friends in the ensemble. When they did that show, I remember Daniel Radcliffe bought out the entire show for the week. I think it was between Christmas and New Year's Eve, so the entire cast got a paid week off. Oh, because wow. he wanted to go home. He bought the tickets, and he so want, that he no one bought would come. out the shows so that. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if he like really went on and clicked every single, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he has a guy for Like, that. I think he's had a conversation with, and, and, and chances are he might have been a producer as well. So who knows? But yeah, if my memory serves me correctly, and someone's going to write me a letter and tell me how wrong I am. Podcast at runningtoplaces.org. <laughs> Attention, Tucker. <laughs> um, but yeah, how to succeed. Yeah. That's, I, I don't think it could be done. I, I, I think if a show... Uh, if you do the show so that it's commenting on the show itself, so that what you're doing is satirizing the show itself, to me it begs the question, then why do it in the first place? Why not find something that is worth doing rather than something that's... You'd spend all that time and effort to do a show only to say, this is why we shouldn't do this show. Why, you're right. And like, why don't we pay somebody who with a voice that's louder and better, you know, and more current? Like, I bet... Like there was times in Mamma Mia too where there was some problematic things in that. And um and as a director I just had to be like, you have to flip it on its end. You know what I mean? And yeah. but it's different when it's moments. That show, it would be like full musical numbers yes. and oh, scenes. It's the, it's the entirety it's the entire of the show. show and the concept and the plot. And I think satire is hard with young people. Yes. yes. I don't think it's I because it's reason, risky. It's risky, right? The reason why How to Succeed works at all when it does is because the actors and the audience are all winking in unison about how abhorrent this behavior is. But if you don't have the context and the perspective to really understand why these things are so awful, uh, you know, or if your audience doesn't know whether or not you're being exploited because of the material, then I think it's not fun for anybody. Truth. Well, now it's time to move on to listener questions. Every episode, we answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question you want answered on the podcast, 
You can email it to us at podcast at runningtoplaces.org, or better yet, record a voice memo on your phone and email it to podcast at runningtoplaces.org. Maybe we'll hear you on a future episode. From Marty M. Joey, what would you do if you had an infinite budget for a show like i think the question is what show would you do oh god not like what would you do because i think you would do a jig <laughs> <See> you in tahiti <laughs> <laughs> what show would you do with the company if we had no budget wow or nope we already do that we do shows all the time with no budget <laughs> i meant if you had no budget restrictions well that's you really just got to the heart of it because part of our whole deal is that we do things on a shoestring and and in in a way that's by design that I've always said that if the audience walks out of one of our shows and the first thing they say is, wow, what a beautiful set, then we have all failed at every level. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not about that. And those are the things that you would spend money on because we're not. And we do have beautiful sets. We do. We do. They're just not expensive and complicated. And, and our budget philosophy, especially when it comes to scenery, is build things so that they're reusable. So we do a lot of platforms and reconfiguring existing stock scenery inventory. Like we think about it like a pile of Lego pieces that we can reassemble in different ways. Um, and since we're not hiring equity actors, we do pay our designers and technicians. Goodness knows I would certainly start by paying them a lot more I'd add zeros to the end of all of their paychecks um but as far as the shows themselves go uh i don't know because i i like that the emphasis of our shows is not about having a lot of money um which isn't to say that it wouldn't be real nice but i don't know how much i would do differently what excuse me answer. sir could you just answer the question uh, I want to spend more time with my family. <laughs> Terrific. Thank uh, you for joining us this week. Tucker, what about you? What, come on, give, give a real answer. What would you do? I, without hesitation, Starlight Express. What is Starlight Express? A lot of people did not grow up in the metropolitan area in the 80s. It's cats on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, uh, I'm biased to Angeloid Weber because I did one of his shows for a very long time but i just i i just think how fun that would be to like have like roller skating night like every night for months to prepare for it and uh and learn how to do that and then afterwards we could do xanadu because they were roller skates in that one and, and we could do the drowsy chaperone <laughs> Because someone has to roller skate, and that we would do all the roller skating musicals. We would do we'd write new musicals for roller skaters. Um, yeah, so you, would, you would spend all the budget on roller skating supplies and lessons and pads. Yep, and I would I would premiere my new musical Kinky Skates. <gasps> mm -hmm. Oh, Tucker! I know it's a it's an original concept. Someone needs someone needs to get out fundraising so that Tucker can have his infinite budget. Uh, go to my GoFundMe, <laughs> Kinky Skates. GoFundMe at KinkySkates.com backslash Tucker Davis. Um, no, but I don't. I don't. I just. I. I. I've done bits and pieces of that musical, and it's really fun. Um, and who doesn't love roller skating? I agreed. I mean, That's there's people. Answer. There's people, but I don't want to know them. <laughs> And they just won't come to the show. Well, Daniel Radcliffe will buy that person a ticket so that they don't have to come. Oh, yeah. And I would hire Daniel Radcliffe as a ringer to any musical we do. Oh, because then people will come see it. Yeah. Harry Potter. That's. I wonder if he roller skates. Harry Potter, not yet, but with all that money. 
We can we can we can teach them. Now I have another question for you, Joey. Do you? I do. What is an R2 patron? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Tucker. R2 patrons are what make it possible for us to keep participation in running to places free for the kiddos, as well as to keep attendance at our shows free for our audiences. You know, I feel like maybe we're burying the lead. I don't know how many people realize that late last year in 2021, we announced a new policy that attendance at our shows is free from now on. Zero dollars. Zero dollars to be in a show, zero dollars to see a show. And running to places is for everyone. We want to be a community theater truly for the whole community. We want every young person to know that they have a place in theater. And so that means not having any financial barriers to entry for them to participate. But we realized after we made participation free several years ago that there were kids who, even though there was no financial barrier, that maybe they weren't interested because perhaps they hadn't seen a play before. You know, it, I, I grew up going to see theater all the time. I grew up in New Jersey. My parents took me to see community theater. It was a part of my life. When I had the opportunity to join theater, of course, I was like, yeah, that's fun. That's been part of my life all along. If you're a kid who doesn't get to go see theater as a regular part of your life, it makes perfect sense that maybe you're not so into it when you get the opportunity to participate. What is it anyway? Why would you want to? And so we want to make sure that everyone has access to go see theater. And so having our community theater be available to the whole community for free is only made possible by our R2 patrons. Those are folks who, for as little as five bucks a month. You can do 10, you can do 15, you can do as much or as little as you want. And there's thank you gifts that go along with it. But mostly there is the satisfaction that comes from knowing that you are making it possible for everyone to participate in theater. You know, we think of it like NPR where the content's given away for free, but people who are able to kick in a couple bucks a month so that it stays available to everybody. It just seems fair that way and equitable. And that's what we're going for. So you can visit running slash join to become an R2 patron today Thanks for the question, Tucker. Yeah. Well, folks, it's time to take a peek behind the curtain, and you've got a backstage pass to find out what the rest of the audience never knew. Well, I'm thinking about the time that we did School of Rock a few years back. Uh, you know, that's a show that famously on Broadway, gosh, that was 2018, um, famously on Broadway. None of you were born yet. It was so long ago. So the show famously has the kids who play instruments on stage really playing the instrument so it's you know it's about this this guy who is a substitute teacher and he teaches the kids to be a rock band and so there's guitar and bass and drums and keys and when you do that show even as a youth community theater nonprofit, in the contract you promise that the kids will really be playing their instruments for real you can't fake it you can't pre-record it which we, when we decide we're doing shows, we have zero idea who yeah, we don't will be doing it. So we had no idea what we were going to get, uh, but we had to find out who could play. And so the auditions were some of the most fun callbacks I know I've ever been a part of. I got to give, he's going to hate this, but I'm giving a shout out to Jordan Fearon, who is not only... Hey, Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Uh, but Jordan is the president of the board of Running to Places Theater Company. Uh, so he does so much to support us. And he runs sound for our shows and sets up all the mics for our shows. Uh, anyway, so thank you, Jordan. After you say that he's on the board, can you um, add like an applause sound effect? Like, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like people clapping for him. Totally. That's totally how good he does. That. Yeah. Because he definitely does it for the attention and applause. Yep. Uh, That's all he wants. So for the callbacks, Jordan was the guy who set up all this equipment because some of the kids had their own instruments. Some of them had guitars and basses and things like that. But other kids knew how to play. But what are you going to bring your entire drum kit to? Exactly. And so we were holding the auditions at BJM Elementary School, which a lot of people know is my favorite best kept secret theater space in Ithaca it's gorgeous so we were on the stage and Jordan set up a whole drum line and had electric guitars and basses and keyboards and microphones and even set up flashing color changing lights that were synced to the music and we gave the kids some uh, some cuts you know hey play this section of this song but riff on it however you want you can improvise as much as you like make it your own and that was true with the vocalists as well as the kids playing instruments And then we just had them come up like four at a time and we were like, great, you're on keys, you're on bass, you're on guitar, you're on lead vocals and we need some backup singers. And were there kids that just were just going for it? Yeah. That didn't really know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's intended to be it's it's not the hardest rock music. It's you know, it's it's not right because they're not they're supposed to be kids. They're kids that are just learning how to play music. And of course, for the show, they turn out to be incredible. But for this callback audition, there was very little prep. But because of the style of it, there was a lot of room for improvisation and play. And so for me, the highlight of it was at the very end. After we had seen everybody, we just said, great, everybody up on stage, grab instruments, grab a microphone. And we just had a massive jam session with like 40 kids playing every guitar and drums and bass and vocals. And it was the wildest jam session. It was it was amazing. And and then it got to be I mean, it was rock band rehearsal every day rehearsal for that show. And of course, the kids really played their instruments every night of the of the show. One of my favorite moments, uh, Maggie, who was playing Freddie the drummer. There was one night during a performance where she was playing so vigorously. She was so hardcore with her drumming. She lost a drumstick, flew out of her hand, and she did the rest of the number with one drumstick. I don't teach you to have a backup. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she probably did. Um, but she just was so so on top of her game that she just made a thing out of it and was brilliant and hilarious and amazing. It was it was such a fun time. All right, it's time for intermission. So grab a rice crispy treat out in the lobby. Mm. <laughs> and we'll see you back after the break for our exclusive interview with the one and only Carl Gregory, Ithaca's favorite actor. Carl Gregory? Carl Gregory. Two-time Salt Award winner. Is here after the break for the interview, so stick around. Uh, If you are an R2 patron, you will always get to hear the full two-act version of our podcast. For right now, we're making that available to everybody, but eventually it'll be R2 patrons who get to hear the full two-act version. For everybody else, we'll always have the one-act version available. But in the meantime, it is time for intermission. Everybody, take five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. This podcast, like participation for the kids and tickets to our shows for everyone, is totally free and only made possible because of the support of our R2 patrons. And for the entirety of the 2022 season, our exclusive R2P podcast sponsor, yes, Tucker, it's our friends at Tompkins Trust Company. I love them. You love them. We all love them. It's Tompkins Trust Company. We trust them. We love them. They are company. 
They're Tompkins Trust Company. That's right. Um, do you know how Tompkins Trust Company came to be a supporter and sponsor of Running to Places? Well, they must have seen one of our amazing musical theater programs. I have no doubt of that because the employees, the people who are Tompkins Trust Company, of course, are this community and so they have families and children and they have participants in the company and all that um but the real story of how it ended up happening how we all kind of got together was uh i was doing a performance for rachel lampert rachel hired me and it was for i think we talk about her every episode we're contractually obligated to yep yep so every year tompkins trust company would do their sales recognition event where they would uh, honor their employees for their excellent work all throughout the year and they would give awards for the teller who had the most accurate till count over the course of Top the year. Top teller! Yes! Uh, who moved the most mortgages and, and it, the thing is it was always a really fun show so Rachel got hired to take inside jokes provided by the employees of Tompkins Trust Company and build it into a themed show so one year it was like a western theme, one year it was outer space themed and so me and a bunch of other people got hired to be actors and we got to play with Greg Hartz, who is the president of Tompkins Trust and a big Cornell hockey fan and a super nice guy. Um, and I was always so impressed at the tone that was set every year of, of community and family and appreciation of everyone at every level at Tompkins Trust. And you can tell when you walk into a branch of Tompkins Trust that the people love what they do, that they love serving the community, they love being part of this community, and that shows in their support of their community in things like Running to Places and the R2P podcast. So Tompkins Trust Company, thank you very much for your support. Uh, for anyone out there who is looking for a lender or a place to keep your money safe, Tompkins Trust is the place to go. So tell them Running to Places sent you and thank you. Welcome back from intermission. I hope everybody enjoyed their Rice Krispie treats. But now it's time to move on to the next section of our podcast. Folks, theater is an ensemble art. Is that not right, Tucker? It sure enough is. Uh, it takes a lot of people coming together to make it happen. So let's chat with someone who loves theater like we do. It's time to run lines with Carl Gregory. <laughs> oh, no, we're running lines. We're yeah. doing it, yeah. Oh, boy. And taking names. Oh, boy. Hi, theater is an ensemble art, but Hi. Carl Gregory almost insists only on doing one-person shows. <laughs> Well, is, as of late. Yeah. It's true. I mean, Carl, like you've... Okay, for anybody who doesn't know, I don't know who that specific person is in town. Who that doesn't know? That doesn't know that you're the best of 2019 recipient of Best of Ithaca? I think it was 2017. See? <laughs> See? But it, you know what? It, it yeah. holds true. It holds Salt Award winner. Two-time Salt Award. <laughs> Two-time Salt Award winner. They give him the salt Carl and the pepper. Gregory. She is also <laughs> under queen of the kitchen board. Yes, I am vice president of the kitchen board right now. Okay. Co-vice president. Backing up. Carl Gregory. I know there's a, we're, local there's a celebrity. Lot to cover. It says so on the tote bag. Uh, <laughs> actor that so many people I know uh, have, have enjoyed at the Kitchen Theater for many, many years. The yeah. KTC, the Carl Theater Company. <laughs> the, that's oh. what it stands for. Oh, please do not let that get out. Uh, it's, well, it's live now. It's I told you this was live. Okay. There's <laughs> okay. No, we don't edit anything. Um, but Carl, yeah, I mean, you've been such a prolific, prolific actor for so many years. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and as Tucker was saying, one man shows being a, a big part of your repertoire. Yeah, I don't know how I really got into that. What was the first one I did? I guess it was Fully Committed. 
Oh my right? gosh. Was that the, your first one? I think it was. Holy. Okay. Can you talk about what Fully Committed was? Yeah. I'm, so Fully Committed oof. is a show um, written by Becky Mode that has like 47 different characters and all played on the telephone. So that sounds like a nightmare. Like how do you, how do you say yes to a job like that? Um, well, I was like 23 or something. That's it. (laughs) So I was like, sure. The most cliche question that any theater person gets, but I'm going to ask sincerely because I really mean it. How do you memorize all those lines? When you're in a scene, you, you get cues every couple of minutes or a couple of seconds and someone's going to remind you what to say. What do you do? You take, you, you take your cues off yourself. What does that mean? Uh, I mean, I, well, if, when when I do one person shows, I have to start memorizing the show like an uh, like a month before we even start rehearsing. Because if you don't have like if you don't have that show like under your belt before you start rehearsing, you're not going to memorize it in a month. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, plus, we're fully committed. Um, I have a friend, Harry Booby, who did the show before me. He got this tip from the guy who originally did the show, named Mark Setlock. So, um, uh, so in like. You know where the character is sitting is at like a, a a reservation table, so he's taking all these reservations by phone and has to like communicate with the chef upstairs and the maitre d and like you know all these different things. All these phones are ringing. So in the um, like reservation book in which is on front of you in the desk, um, all you do on each page is list is is you put out a list of the people who you talk to in order, in the oh my show. Gosh. Oh. So if you ever get like flubbed up, you look down at the reservation book and you go, oh, I was just talking to the chef and now I talk to Pierre or the maitre d. And so you go, oh, OK, yeah, now I remember do what happens you, But next. that still sounds to me like. Unbelievably difficult. Yeah. No, it sounds <laughs> Unbelievably. like a nightmare. Yeah. It sounds, that sounds like all of my worst fears come true. Yeah. And here's a fun fact. Uh, Fully Committed is the only show that I have ever done where I had to stop a show. <gasps> what happened? I didn't know what I was doing. And so what do you do? What? Was, Sorry, hold on. I haven't horrible. said anything for a minute. But what do you, did you cry? Um, no. <laughs> did you throw up and cry? Um, I cried after the show. But, you know, people love that kind of stuff because yeah. it's live theater. You go to the but, Wait, did you restart or did you just say, sorry, I got it. I, we can't do this tonight. You rescheduled um, with the audience? No, 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 no. <laughs> so, um, so like, you know, the phone, like, keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. And I... And the, sound, and the stage manager is doing the sound cue of the phone live. waiting for you to pick up. Yeah, live. continue the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stage manager is doing all of the live cues of phone rings, buzzers, intercoms, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So... Uh, the like phone kept ringing, kept ringing, kept ringing, and I just got completely overwhelmed, and my mind went blank. I was looking down at the reservation book, trying to figure out like where I was, and between that and like, the, like paranoia, but I had no idea who I was supposed to talk to next. <laughs> so I like you can after... answer and say, "Who is this?" <laughs> so we need to take it. Back. We need to take it one step further and actually have actors. Yeah. Playing the parts on the phone <laughs> with you, yeah. But that's not as fun. No, it's not. So, so yeah, what happened? So I, after what seemed like 20 minutes, but was probably like five or 10 seconds, I took my little like headset off, put it down on the table, looked up at the audience and said, um, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, severely apologize, but I have absolutely no idea where I am in the script. I'm so sorry. Um, I can get this together. I'm just going to need the stage manager to take me back um, and tell me where to start so that I can remember what I was doing. So you stayed on stage. I stayed on stage. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's nice. But I just had to stop the show and let them know, you know, what was going on. Oh, that's not not that bad. 
it was still stressful. I'm sweating sure. right now talking about it. <laughs> I'm sweating listening to it. <laughs> so I had the, so the stage manager um, took me back. Uh, was like you know go from you know this place and I was like okay boom I know exactly where that is and and how um, did they communicate to you? I literally was talking to them on stage. This is the old kitchen theater. This is the Clinton old kitchen house. theater. So in the it's Clinton smaller. House, yeah. Smaller and they were basically on stage. They and could like hold up their script and show it to you and be like, yeah. see these words. You're yeah, right here. You're back. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry, everyone. Stage manager, please. Where can we go back to? They told me. Um, and then I said, okay, so I'm gonna go back there. We're gonna pretend like this never happened. Okay audience erupts in like laughter applause like they loved it they were there with you yeah so i restarted the show and finished it a star was born (laughs) and afterwards i was like completely rattled yeah did you know anybody do you remember if you knew anybody in the audience i'm sure i did i'm sure i did but um you know i never made that mistake again well i'm curious because it didn't matter at that because i was like oh it doesn't matter if right. you stop a show and have to start again, which was like a critical piece of information coming away from that, you know, that I feel like is such a critical life lesson. Yeah. That the, the things that happen that go wrong, that you're like, well, this is the end of the world. Yeah. This is the worst thing that could happen. And then yeah. the worst thing that happened happens and you're OK. And it's not the worst thing in the world at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that whole um, that whole show must go on mentality, mm. I think is a little is a little tricky. Because yeah, the show must go on, but sometimes the show's got to stop for a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, I remember Tucker, you talked about okay. that recently about the the phenomenon of people going on with broken legs and going on with yeah. And I think the tide's starting to shift in theater hmm. that the show must go on as long as it's healthy and consensual. <laughs> you know, yeah. like as long as everybody is like, yes, we can. But it certainly when I grew up in the theater and the theater like it was like you your face could be half off and like falling off and bloody and you should probably still get out there and do your part like what a concept that artists are humans and workers just like any other human workers yeah and subject to humanity and rights and things what a concept my gosh i'm i'm curious carl whether that experience either that particular one or other one man show things that you've done um how has that changed your approach to other non one man show works um hmm that's interesting um the amount of preparation and work that you do independently when going yep. into a one person show i imagine I, I would i think of it sort of like you know when you're when you're in little league and you put those weights on your bat when you're practicing batting and then you take them off and yep. suddenly swinging a bat becomes so easy like do you have that experience or is it not the same no not it's comparable no no it's not the same it's different every time and every time i do a one person show i always say after i'm never going to do a one person every show single time every single and then time. he'll say I'm doing this one person show. And I'm like, oh, really? Because I thought it was never going to happen again. I know. And you know what? When I say I'm never going to do it again, I firmly believe that. <laughs> I really do. But then another show comes along and you go, oh, God, I'm terrified of doing that. I can't imagine. That means that I should do it. If I'm really scared of doing something, then that sends like a little trigger in my head like, you should probably do it. Oh. You should probably try because you'll probably fall down. You but, know what I mean? Well, and and having had the experience of like we said before, falling down, you skin your knee, yep. you're fine. Yep. And and so having that that knowledge that like, oh, I can do this scary thing and I know that the worst that happens is not that bad yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Like I, I, 
if I had never had that experience in Fully Committed, I don't know that I ever would have done as many one-person shows as I have done. Because oh, wow. the most terrifying thing about doing the one-person show right. is, is, you'll, is that you'll mess up. Is that yeah. thing? Because you're the only person yeah. to save you on stage. There's no one else. Right. You know? Right. So if I'd never had that experience, I might not have done as many one-person shows. Hmm. There's something I remember you talking about uh, years ago. Uh, maybe it was after you did grad school, talking about the concept of uh, director-proof actors. Ooh. Can you talk about that a little bit? What is a director-proof actor and why is that a thing? <laughs> oh, boy. Some people really hate that expression, namely directors. <laughs> well, well, called, I was going to say, let's leave names out the of it. The reason I bring it up is because I talk about that in rehearsals at Running to Places all the time. Totally. I quote you all the time. To- totally. And because I want... I want our cast members in a running to places show to be director proof. Uh, yeah. So, so what is that? Um, um, I don't know that they actually called it that at Brown Trinity where I went to grad school, but it's something that uh, kind of became popularized with um, alumni um, in the industry. And a lot of um, directors in the industry uh, were a little like, Oh, you're Brown Trinity. Oh, mm, director proof. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, where, where it really just means that you're not relying on anyone else for your performance. Right? You're not waiting for someone else. You're to not tell waiting you what for to someone else to tell you what to do. You know what to do. You know how to break down a scene. You know what the arc of the character is for that scene. You know what the arc of the character is for the whole piece. Um, uh, you know, you're, you're listening to other people in the room so that you're, um, taking in all of the information, not just regurgitating what you want to do, but you're going, oh, this, this person is doing, um, you know, something like this in this scene. Maybe that's something that I can pull in to my work with that character to now create a through line. Right? You're making choices for yourself. So you're making choices for yourself and you're not waiting for someone else to uh, uh, give you like a step by step of how you should put this character together. I mean, I, for myself, I would never want to work with a director who felt threatened by that at all. <laughs> right. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and for me speaking as a director, especially a director who, who works with young actors who are learning this process, I, and we talk about this in rehearsal, I don't want to be a, a marionette tier. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to, A, I don't have the time for that. I don't have the creativity for that. And also what would be the point for the actors being there yeah. if they're not making their own choices? Absolutely. Have you found that to be something that has benefited you in your work in your career? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because I can really work with anyone and I don't have to rely on, I don't have to rely on someone else for my good work. You know, my good work comes from me. Our good work together comes from all of us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So that if you have a bunch of people who know how to do their work, and can work uh, collaboratively and creatively together, right. then you have a really good team. Right. right. Theater being an ensemble art. Yeah. Everyone doing their parts together. I've also totally been accused of being difficult to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't making faces over here. I was not making faces. I was, over there. Making faces. I was just like, well, you know, also though, like there are directors that like you have to do the job. You're not vibing with them. Yeah. They're not giving you anything. Like you have to get through it and you have to be proud of your work. Yeah. Because that's how we're happy in life. Yeah. And, and I personally don't have a problem with people th- uh, thinking that I'm like bossy or something because I know, I know, uh, oof, this is going to sound so bad. Just say it. Just but, say it. But I know what's good. Yeah. I know what's good and I know what works. 
you know. Right. I'm not always right. Sure. Right. And, and I'm you're right a lot of the time. <laughs> and you're also willing to have a conversation with the director. Of course, of course, of course. And, of course. and there's also never just one answer, too, yeah. right? Like, even you can be right, and so can everybody else at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's something I really learned from Rachel Lampert, I think. Who? Rachel Lampert. Oh, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, who's, who, um, you know, can be very, um, uh, 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 tough and, yes. um, she has a clear vision. A- absolutely. Because she has a clear vision. Yes. Because she knows what works. Yes. Because she's a storyteller and yes. she knows how to tell a story. And she's done it a couple times before. Yeah. <laughs> Successfully. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have no problem, um, you know, saying, I, I, um, I really think it needs to be this way because of X, Y, and Z. You know, and they're like, Carl, we're just starting the table reading right now. <laughs> so if you could just sit down and grab your coffee. Well, you know, it, thank you, five. <laughs> uh, Carl, I can't remember. Have you directed? Um, I have never directed. No, I've directed in grad school in like Will directing you, class. He was the um, paint director of <laughs> Your Good, Good Man, Man Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. That's true. I think my title was actually lead painter, but. No small painting assistant. (laughs) Sincerely, if you you saw your good man Charlie Brown this summer out back at the Just Because, uh, a lot of that beautiful work was the work of the one and only Carl Gregory. Tucker and I standing on those platforms, painting away every day. Came in the sunshine of paint for us. Um, But Um, no, I have never directed. And but knowing that you're an actor who has a clear vision, who's like, I understand how the story gets told. I understand what needs to happen in a scene. Do you have moments where you're like? Uh, if she would just cross down stage right here, it would be so much more. But and so does that not translate to? I think I would like to direct a show so so I can boss everyone around without being a violation of my actor agreements. Um, I don't know. I mean, um, I guess it should translate into that, but um, somehow it doesn't for me. It's too much pressure. Yeah, it's too much pressure. I think you gotta try it. Sure. I think you should try it sometime. I mean, I think I. I Probably be pretty great at it. There's also there's. <laughs> I think for so I think that in that transition though too is it's like is anytime your career is morphing or shifting it's like there is that hmm. part of oh am I not an actor now I'm a oh. director now oh, yeah. I mean but you can always do both oh yeah of course of course I mean if you're a theater artist you're a theater artist yeah right like um I think it's just too much. Like it's too much um, um, people management. Yeah, and I don't. Um, I mean, I have the skills for that, but you I, don't, do. I don't have the experience for that. Sure. I you want know, to see talking that talking to designers and uh, painters and uh, I mean, you know all the creatives that go into a show. I don't know that I could do that without um, without um, rustling some feathers. <laughs> the the could part. I would take issue with whether or not you want to is totally valid. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't I, want to. I know for I, I want to see me, that show. I do not want to be in that show, <laughs> yes, but I want exactly. to see that show. Yes. <laughs> I know that, you know, times that I've gone back to be an actor uh, and we'd get to Tech Week and I have one job, which is to oh, yeah. just you know, sip coffee and wait until oh, it's, it's my great. turn to go on and oh, someone else is solving problems about that scene yeah. change or whatever. I love it. Yeah. I, I see why you would not want to yeah. switch seats. Yeah. Although when you're a director, you open that show, they throw you a party at your goodbye party later. <laughs> That's nice, too. Actually, I think I saw you two in, well, I saw Carl in Kitchen's 
theater company's smallest shows ever. And I've seen you both together on stage in Kitchen Theater's probably largest ensemble the, oh, Peter show and the ever Starcatcher. as well. Oh, I don't know if they've yeah. ever had, what was that, 12 or 13? Which was 12. It's hilarious to me because that like shattered Kitchen Theater records for cast size at 12. And then like a couple weeks later, Running to Places put like 20 kids on stage for, you know, <laughs> rent. Or, oh, we did. We yeah. did do that one where we're... <laughs> With a lot of extra characters. I, it, one of my favorite things about you as an actor, both as an actor on stage with you, but as an audience member watching you, is a feeling of chaos, of like the best kind of chaos, where oh, yeah. it feels like I never quite know what's going to happen next. You know, the, the the highlight of Peter and the Starcatcher was there. Spoiler alert for Peter and the Starcatcher coming up in a second. Carl's character gets his hand cut off. Yeah, It's, it's a funny thing. Because um, you're you're playing the character who <laughs> oh, essentially becomes Captain Hook. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you have a moment where you get to have that moment be whatever you want and take as long as yeah. you like. Can you talk about what that was like for you in rehearsals and in performances? Mean, yeah, uh, and like you, you with a with a moment like that that's so based on um, on audience engagement. Yeah, it's so hard to tell if it's working or not. When you're in rehearsal, yes, because you just have the same five people looking at it, you know, and no one's laughing anymore, and you're like, "How am I?" Yeah, the director starts to judge it. You start start to guess yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. So we all knew that it was funny, but I think Rachel and I very specifically were like, "Let's not do too much to this until we get in front of an audience and see what happens." And see what happens. Let's just leave it because in the script it says, you know, he cuts his hand off, realizes it, and then says, "Oh my God." any number of times that you want. That's how it's phrased in the script. Which, just for anyone who missed that production, was about 785 times. (laughs) I mean, it started (laughs) off... it didn't start that way. It didn't start that way. Jen Shalansky, our stage manager, um, would, like, come and give me, like, the running numbers. And I... (laughs) She counted every night? Yeah. Amazing. Finally, it started at around, like, two or three minutes, which is long. Yeah. Of just saying the same thing and keeping an audience rolling with laughter. Um, But I, um, at the end of the run, I got up to six minutes. (gasps) Of just saying, wow. oh my God. And as an actor who was on stage with you, it never felt like six minutes. Six minutes. Are who, you joking? Who do you me? think you are, Carol Channing, starting shows over? I mean, <laughs> six, six minute long. No, no bits. one stops me. He's Jeez, a, Louise. No one stops He's me. a but, jazz musician. But listen, <laughs> but it only got that long because the audience was still with me. Because you were telling it, right. you If the wanted. audience was not still with me, I would have. I would have Your matinee you know, average was as, 45 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there were some shows where the audience just didn't laugh as much. And then you go, oh, okay. I'll ride it out to a nice, like, three and a half minutes. And then... I'm grateful that you're an actor that realizes that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you have to. Well, and I think... Well, it, there's you a, don't. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen that show. Because <laughs> there is, there's a fine line between, like, uh, being in the moment and being spontaneous and being, you know, but also being a consistent fellow actor. Yeah you know, and, and, yeah. and professionalism. But as you said, this was a moment that was literally written to be. Oh yeah. An improv section. Yeah. A jazz section. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I had so much fun doing that. That was a good, and, that was what good. Was like, I will never what, forget watching that scene. And what was like really, really fun about that was trying to get my fellow castmates to yes. break. Oh yes. That's really. Like, that was, that was, that was the story what, of yeah. that show a lot of times. Oh, a lot of times. Yeah. And we <laughs> yeah. broke a lot. <laughs> and, and But that's also, I think, one of my favorite beautiful things about theater, especially in an intimate space like the kitchen theater where the audience really does feel like they're part of the action, yeah. is there's there's a sense of of 
communal storytelling that's happening because it it only exists theater only exists because there's an audience participating yeah. in it yeah and they are they are there to be part of the story like you were saying with fully committed in that moment when you went up on the line and the audience was there with you because like they've signed a contract to be like yes we're we're going in this together we're yeah. we're not passive audience members like in a movie we're you affect the outcome you affect how the yeah. story goes in some ways um, but and so finding the balance between being responsible and true to the story and, and your castmates and professionalism, but also keeping it live and reacting to what's happening in the room. And fun. Yeah. And fun. My gosh. You know, like I think sometimes when we, uh, um, you know, like think about like the art of what we're doing and, you know, all of that stuff, we kind of forget that we got into this for fun. They're called plays. Right. It's literally called Play. I'll call chores. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl Gregory, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh my for gosh, coming that's and it. That went so us. fast. Yeah, yeah we've been. Oh my gosh. Well, what do you have coming up next? Yeah, I'm on the board of the Kitchen Theater. Um, I do a lot of acting coaching over Zoom. Um, actually, for a lot of high school students who are mm-hmm. um, trying to get into schools. How could they find out more about that, Carl Gregory? You can email me, Carl Gregory at me.com. Carl with a K. Well, Carl, uh, we will keep our eyes open for your next project, whether it's on stage, your directoral debut, <laughs> post grad school. But we'll see about that. <laughs> or uh, painting a running to places set near you. <laughs> that, that's probably what's going to happen next. <laughs> Carl, thank you so much. Thank Thanks you, for Carl. Me, guys. Well, that's it for this edition of the R2P Podcast. Drop us a line at podcast at runningtoplaces.org. That's spelt out runningtoplaces.org. On behalf of Tucker and me and the rest of the R2P family, thanks for joining us. Thank you to Tompkins Trust Company and our R2 patrons who support us and make all things R2P totally free for everybody. I'm Joey Steenhagen and scene. Stay warm out there.